Hello and welcome to We March On with Stephen Tom, the unofficial Southampton FC podcast in partnership with the Believe Podcast Network. Make sure to follow us on all your social media outlets at We March On Pod. Another thank you to Saints Brass once again for their outstanding intro music. Tom, how are you? Lovely oh. to see you again. Oh, thanks, mate. It's lovely to see you as well. You look absolutely delightful. You look like someone who's been force-fed a burrito uh, on pre-making pre, uh, this podcast. Yeah, I had two lunches uh, mm. today. Um, I didn't realise... Well, also, Tell we have to explain that we're Tell recording them. it again in your house. So I've made the trip up from Southampton. And I thought, because you're making all that effort, I would make you lunch. And I put that in the WhatsApp and I even told you what I was making on the day. And you still turned up and you'd eating a double cheeseburger so what's what's going on mate you well, don't like my cooking do you want to say it no i actually think you're you're a great cook um <laughs> but i didn't get that from the initial message sure what i thought was just i'm cooking this today and i just commented on what you were cooking there was i didn't see in the message it says i've made us something or i'm making us lunch it's like i'm cooking this today i was like cool well i'm not going to take are you making it for me for granted? So I just fed myself. I know. And when I turned up and you'd actually already cooked it. Yeah, I, I know. Could, I couldn't then say, Heartbroken, nah, I'm, mate. I'm all right, mate. Like, don't don't worry. If would, you hadn't would... have cooked, I'd have gone, don't make anything for me, just do yourself. I know. And you'd already made it. So I felt like I had to eat it. It wow. was lovely. Sure. But I'm now really full. Yeah, that's uh, what I wanted to get at, guys, uh, listening to this. Uh, thank you very much for joining us for episode seven, or as I like to call it, the number seven, the Joe Aribo episodes mm -hmm. uh, although i don't think it's going to get much of a mention only the fact that there was that great opportunity to get a goal against wolves however uh, i just wanted people to know that my heart's been broken i cook specially for steve uh, because it isn't an i anymore it's like a proper relationship this it's a we and i just want you to know steve it's never an i anymore it's all about us yes we okay? there's no i in team <laughs> or in meat pie <laughs> Uh, so you're looking forward to this episode, mate? Yeah, I, I really am. Um, uh, there's quite a bit to talk about, I there think. Um, it, is a, it was a bit of a struggle, I think, this week to, to come up with stuff outside of the football, because I think we always have said that we're not an analysis podcast. You're not going to download or tune in purely to hear about why we think Ralph's formation has worked or certain players being selected, etc., etc. Um and it's obviously been another busy week. I've I've gone back to the gym. Oh, mate, congratulations. I know yeah. you were saying I'm, I'm a member of two gyms and I just, I'm finding it difficult to know what to do, which gym to go to. So, so which one have you chosen? Well, I joined a third. <laughs> <laughs> right, but there is, there is context behind it, okay? <laughs> so, yeah, I do have three gym memberships of which I was going to basically none. Um, so when I moved to Southampton in November last year, I obviously had to find a new gym. So I went along with my other half to one that was about a 20 minute drive away and it looked really nice, loads of facilities, etc. And she signed up and while she was there, I was like, oh, whatever, I'll sign up as well. Sure. But I did it on a rolling month contract rather than like the year one. But it has a three month cancellation period, which okay. is quite long. So you have to decide three months in advance before you'll say, look, guys, I'm loving the gym. It's just not for me anymore. And then yeah. you've got three months yeah, slowly. Three months, exactly. Wow. Yeah. And they'll look at you differently. You might not get a fluffy towel anymore. Yeah, they'll 100%. give you the hard, that hard, crispy one underneath the counter. <laughs> and uh, and it was soon after I realised that actually driving 20 minutes to go to the gym, so 40 minute round journey, not including traffic, I just couldn't be bothered. Um, so I ended up joining another gym, more of a class-based gym that was like a 
eight minute drive away. Okay, I'm liking um, this. But due to just life in general and becoming gradually fatter and more unfit, mm. I realised that I actually can't keep up with the class one anymore because it's too hard. Okay. Um, and the timings don't always correlate with my diary very well. So I stopped going to both gyms. Um, and then when, I, this I suppose is the tie-in for Southampton here, when I was at um, Franny Benali's charity ball in May, or whenever yeah. that was, earlier this year, you looked fabulous, by the way. Thank you. Very Everyone much. looked fabulous. Yeah. It was a great event. It was a very good night. It was a great night. Um, Didn't get an well, invite. Anyway, yes, carry on, mate. <laughs> carry on with the story. Um, that One of the uh, auction items was a six-month gym membership at a particular gym. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to a charity event, Tom, where you realise you're very out of your depth when it comes to what you can afford. <laughs> So all the yes. signed shirts and everything, it was like, we'll start the bidding at a thousand pounds. Like, oh, not for me. Uh, I don't earn that much to to start, you know, rolling out the thousand pound for a yeah. signed uh, a signed shirt. Even even regardless of how good a cause it is, you're still looking at it like, look, if we're starting at a couple of hundred, I might, I might. I mean, know. that's like two months of energy now. Yeah. Isn't it? Exactly. Like, exactly. You're looking at, a, 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 a yeah, you're starting. It's kind of like Philip Schofield. And uh, <laughs> and the other one with the spinning the wheel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, carry on, mate. So yeah, um, I, I looked down the list of what was kind of there as the auction items and roughly the kind of prices that I think either starting points for the bidding or, or what people had, had put in. And it turned out what I could afford was essentially paying a gym membership for, <laughs> for six months. That was about <laughs> what my budget would stretch to. And you know what? You're actually doing benefit for the nhs that's if you if you're healthy and you're eating well and you're doing exercise you won't potentially need to use the nhs yeah. so actually by paying that you're actually doing a service to society well, i mean it's, it's a bigger it's a bit it's a might it's a macro look at it but well done big up yourself well, not only have i given money to cancer research uk yeah and contributed to charity you are right in getting myself fitter i'm becoming less of a burden on our health service Amen. therefore saving money for them as well exactly that's Two what i'm saying birds, one stone thank you um so yeah so anyway i've i've joined this third gym my my first gym's uh subscription runs out on the 10th or the 19th of this month okay. i think so that's gone yeah save me some money the other one i have to wait until november to cancel are you kidding <laughs> Mate. so and then this one but this one i don't really feel like i'm paying for it because i already paid for it in may is a lump sum okay so it was like a, a voucher you got to go to this gym for six months and what i will say is for anyone out there who may be struggling to have the confidence to go to a gym maybe you've been out of the gym so long maybe you've never been to a gym for someone like me i was very fit about four years ago five years ago loads of confidence loads of body confidence through the pandemic various things in my life eating more i've just become a bit fatter than i once was i wasn't gonna say it um and i feel like now i'm not in the same space where i can go to one of the particular gyms that i was a member of where it's very posery and you feel like everyone there is massive in comparison and if you're like excuse me can, can i use the squat rack please is like uh, no not for me so yeah, this, yeah. this gym because it's wherever it is, I won't mention the gym I go to because you know, I don't want the paps turning up outside. Yeah, um, is just very quiet and mostly geriatric. So okay. then I feel like the strongest one in there. That is. Do you know what? <laughs> <laughs> that is such a good tip. So listen, if you if you're not feeling so body confident uh, as our good friend Steve here is saying, then go somewhere 
where you look absolutely banging. Uh, that is a good confidence booster. And then you might want to go back to that other gym that you're paying for until November because you'll feel better in yourself and then you'll enjoy it a bit more maybe. Yeah. Oh, this is great, mate. Yeah. This is this is celebration. So, yep. I um I was gonna say I'm losing weight, but I'm not because I had two lunches today. I'm balancing it out is what I'm doing. I'm maintaining. <laughs> and that's that's what I want from you because for this podcast, for your vocal cords um and 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 everything to be, you know, firing on all cylinders, you need to be at your best. Yeah. How's your week been anyway? Mate, it's been electric. I uh I have done very little uh and also done lots at the same time. But um but yeah that's mate. A conundrum. How do you, you manage that? Well, I've been pretty good going to the gym ironically <laughs> how many are you a member of uh just the one because that's the one i what can a afford loser. <laughs> <laughs> get with the time some i paid a lump sum at the beginning of the year and uh and i'm someone who likes to get my money winning comedian yeah presenter yeah personality i don't want to go on about winning uh gym member of the month in february but listen we haven't got time member for that of one gym what 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 I tell you one thing I have noticed before we get into uh, uh, the meat of this podcast. I, you know, this this uh, crisis is coming, cost of living. Mm. All right, it is. It's a real thing. You know, I did see Philip Schofield, Holly Willoughby. What a joke! Exactly, spinning that wheel. It is the sign of the times, right? However. I know how bad it's got. It, when I say relative, I go up to London occasionally, uh, get the Metro, right? It's free. Newspaper. You'll sometimes find a fabulous little McDonald's voucher, right? Where you get about five different meals <laughs> for one ninety nine. Oh, And I saw it. Now, there's always that bit of excitement. I go, yes, because I'm feeling, well, that's money saved. I'll have a Big Mac and fries. It's one ninety nine. That's fantastic. I'm not a quarter pounder person, all right? I've tried it several times, but listen, let's not dwell Do on it. I other half said the other day? I'm sorry to yeah, no, no, go that topic. She said that the taste is different between a quarter pounder and a double cheeseburger, even though it contains the same amount of meat and the same amount of cheese. Is that right? No, it's nonsense. It's completely psychological. I said, I said, Chloe, do you think they use different meat for the thin burgers against the thick burgers? (laughs) She's like, yeah, they they, must be different meat because it tastes completely different. I was like... You're an idiot. Yeah, there's different the, size patties. The, sure, exactly. It's, it's just they've used the exact same meat and just made it thicker, and you think it, <laughs> it's different. It tastes the exact same. Well, bearing that revelation in mind, when I looked at these vouchers, I got excited. I was like, "Yes, this is brilliant." I was sticking my wallet. That occasional time, I passed by Mackey's, and I'm like, "Yes, please, Mackey's. Uh, let's get this sorted." Big Mac. Um, they're not anymore. The crisis of living is now a double cheeseburger and chips. That's it, mate. That is it. It's it's horrendous situation and little fish burger and the mux whatever vegetarian burger it is. Times have changed, mate. That that is how I know there's a crisis coming. I can't get a Big Mac and chips for one ninety nine anymore. I have noticed the voucher scenario and the McDonald's app is also dwindling. Not that I'm a massive McDonald's eater. Saying the guy who had a double cheeseburger on the way here today. Um, Does it taste like a quarter pounder or is it different? Oh, <laughs> it was very quarter poundery. <laughs> Oh, right. Well, on the subject of two patties or one, let's get into the the patty of this podcast, Tom. Let's talk about Wolves. Uh, It's a game that I genuinely thought we were going to win. I felt like our form has picked up for Southampton, playing very well, coming from a goal behind in most of the games to win. Got that win against Chelsea. Uh, I just didn't foresee us not being able to score. That was my overall take from it. Had chances, didn't take them, and Wolves scored 
pretty jammy goal, well mm. taken at the end of the day. Uh, how did you see it? It was a very last season performance, I think, in mm. many ways, or at least the result was very reminiscent of, of games from, from last year. It was frustrating because I feel like Southampton, it was it was quite even as a game. Mm. I think that Southampton did have really good spells and a draw would have been a fair result. Yeah. I think on the balance of everything, given the chances that each team had, a, a draw would have been fair. Um, as you say, that kind of slightly jammy goal did Daniel uh, Pedence hit it into the ground on purpose or is it was it a dink? I, I wasn't really sure. Yeah. It was just, it was an irritating goal to concede. You know what I mean? If you're if you're the team that scores that goal, doesn't matter. Yeah, but if you can a goal's see, a goal. It, a goal's a goal. If you concede it, you're like, oh, fucking. I reckon Gav would have stopped it. To be honest, if he'd hit it square, I mean, he was looking for that far post, but at the same time, he mishits it, and it it's just in slow motion. As it, mm. I, I had to watch it back again from a different angle. I was like, what's happened here? Yeah, how's that? Yeah, is he chipped him? What's up? No, he's just hit into the ground. It's bounced over. That's what I thought. Yeah, the angle was slightly deceiving from the telly. So, um, yeah, but, that. But would you have to hand it to them? And I'm using a Che Adams reference there. Would you hand it to them that they, that they deserved it? That they managed to keep that clean sheet against us? Because I felt annoyed for two reasons. Number one is because I kept telling everyone on the stag do that was on on the Saturday, put Saints in the acker, put them in the acker. Uh, so uh, did they? And uh, yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. And, well, that's not. I was not the flavor. No, I was not the flavor uh, of the stag group, but someone else put another team in so it doesn't matter and they got a draw rather than a win or a loss so listen I don't feel it was all on me but it I felt like we could have got a result that's the thing I felt like Southampton had the players to take advantage of well you addressed it when you talk about Shea's handball is that why is why is he why is he handling that that'll be running I think that's the thing I mean I've never played football at a particular any level um but if you're jumping up for a header a if it's dropping to you why are you so far away that it's hitting your arm instead of your head? And also, why are you lifting your arm up to the ball? Well, I'm, I mean... Because he could have just... If he thought, I haven't... I've misjudged the space between this ball dropping yeah. down. I'll, I'll stand back slightly and let it hit my chest and tap it in. Chest it in. Yes, or please. chest it in. Che Adams exactly. does not score easy goals. That, that's the, be- the beautiful thing about it. I don't he jumped up with his arm. I think maybe... And if my timing's right on this, he did have a, a thunderous little header that came off the crossbar. Yeah, should have put that away as well. Exactly, but but and uh, Belacocha, the source, had a chance to uh, in the box free header. There were chances. I feel like maybe Che was going for a different approach on that header. Maybe I've got the timings wrong there. Maybe one was before the other. But still, it's two two headers. He, in my head, he's made. Excuse the pun. Uh, 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 he's gone for the idea that I'm going to head this slightly differently down, mm. but it's come off his hand. It's just, it's infuriating. And a lot of Saints fans were immediately on it. This is why we needed an extra striker. Well, I, th- I think the thing is, it's like you, I know it's easier to say, it, and it's so easy to sit when you're watching a game and judging people that are out there performing, but you're a premier league footballer. Mm. You're not, this is not like lower leagues or like lower divisions. This is the, the top level. In fact, I'm not even of just the English game. Of the game, it's the best league in the world where the best players play, bar a handful of others from different teams. Now, I'm not saying Shea's up there with with some of the best players in the world, but he plays for a team that represent is represented in the best league in the world. You would think that 99 times out of 100, sorry, 999 times out of a thousand, mm. when a ball is simply dropping from the sky, you bury that, and you just have to tap it into an open goal that you can do that without mm. really thinking too much about it because you're at that level. So I think that's why fans are so 
infuriated because or were or frustrated even is because you think wow well, how are you doing that like there was and there were other options it's not like the ball was coming in super quick and you've just gone at it as like a a reaction and maybe mm. it's just taken a deflection off the wrong toe or whatever it may be like it's the fact it was almost in slow motion and you just think well if you know you're not going to get to it with your head just let it drop and then just tap it in your foot yeah chest it in or do something he he, he makes all the the difficult things look easy his physicality mm. running it, it, getting up for the ball when a, a defender's challenging him and he makes all the easy things look incredibly difficult but i still you know at the end of the day we didn't get a striker in the january transfer i still rate shay and i i i i do as well he's our he's our most prolific guy in the box that and we've got at the moment you can see his game is 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 diversifying mm. in terms of he's always been good at holding players up he is physical um He's he's good at pressing and chasing down. What I've noticed in the last few games is that he's trying to find space more. Now, one thing that's that was annoying last season watching is that, and again, it maybe this is an inaccurate um, perception, is that players didn't really seem to look for spaces and take chances in them. Everyone just got themselves into a bit of room and then wanted the ball there rather than going right. The ball's not coming to me on this side. I'm going to go and work another angle or I'm going to find another pocket of space somewhere and I'm going to make a run or anticipate the ball coming into mm. an area. Look at the, and maybe this is just for strikers, maybe not, but look at some of the best finishers in the world or the best strikers in the world. Let's use Ronaldo as an example because he's been so consistent over the past, I was in now 37, so the past 15 years, mm. he's been he's been super, super consistent. And he takes chances on where the ball's going to be. Yeah. He's not running to a space, putting his hand up and hoping James Ward Prowse puts it on his noggin from 20 yards away. Yeah, yeah. He is looking where a winger or where a midfielder or where a fullback is, is going to reach and cross and anticipating where that ball's going to end up. And he's making a calculated decision of how many times do I run into this space and I try and play this channel or pull off my marker not in that way, but pull up, pull off the marker and make a way into some space. And the ball, however many times, because they obviously practice these routines and training, is going to end up there. Mm. And sometimes it, I feel like I'm ranting quite a bit now, but it feels like sometimes with Southampton is no one seems to make those risks. He'd, I say, is it initiative? Is it just making it's, that move? It's, it's taking a risk because you could make a run, the ball doesn't end there, and then all of a sudden there's a breakaway and you're out of position. But without taking those risks, it, do, it gives fullbacks and wingers less of an option of where to distribute to. So so many times in that Wolves game that you'd have Carl Walker-Peters on the overlap or you'd have it coming back toward Prowse and he's looking up and there's no one in the box. Yeah, that that, that is a consistent... Or whoever is in the box is static. ...issue that, that we've had. I, I think it, it it looks a lot better than it did last season. That That's my take on it from when so many opportunities like... Adam Armstrong's had to go out wide and he's got no one to pass it to now because he should be in the box. Erling Haaland is amazing at watching those little runs moving around all the time. But look, I'm not I'm not going to lambast Che. It was one of those comical, annoying misses. There were other chances in that game. Didn't come. I'm not overly worried about it because we were making chances. Um, and there's lots of good things, I mean, uh, th that came out of it. L new lad from Man City looked very good with his uh, overtakes to taking people on. 
Definitely, yeah. So there was a couple of uh, debutants on the on on the day. You had Ainsley Maitland Niles came on for some minutes and and looked quite assured. You can probably tell that he's got some decent experience being so many years at Arsenal. And then yeah, Sam Adozi, Fan Dabadozi, um, <laughs> yeah, as I'm I love sure that. He'll, be, he'll be called soon. Um, looked great. Yeah, it was obviously only like a 17 minute cameo that he got. Taking players on, megged Ruben Neves. Um, looks like. He's got all the. I think we mentioned it on the last last episode. Is that the confidence that a that a young player has when you don't have the fear of um, maybe being shouted at or being out of position or all the kind of little disciplines that you don't really necessarily think about at eighteen because all he wants to do is play football yep. and just show his creativity on the ball. Um, and some people that I've seen and read on Twitter have said, strikes me very similar in ilk to a young Jadon Sancho. Yeah, that caused a massive debate. I saw that. Sancho said he doesn't take people on anymore. He should be more of a central player. It's a fascinating debate, but I think from that showing of this lad wanting to take people on, he's like Gianepo when he first came to Saints. We were like, this is the lad. I feel like uh, good old fan uh, Davidozzi is going to be better at taking people on. I mean, Gianepo's stepovers are are not necessary. (laughs) A lot of the time, but this this young lad looks. I'm I'm full and of confidence. You, you saw the there was a move of uh, a phase of play when the, the ball was going out, and he chased it down and nicked it just on the line before it went out of play. Yeah, and I love seeing that. I think there's no balls a lost cause, and reaching it, knocking it back into play, using his skill and his speed to to run onto it and trying to create another opportunity, and that's the kind of hunger and desire you want to see especially when you're one nil down Mm. of not just letting the ball go out of play and taking a throw in can i reach it can i you know use the the space to my advantage use my pace to my advantage as well and and try and create an opportunity i think given and maybe another five or so minutes Southampton maybe would have I've said that a couple of times this yeah, season he would have given cre- them a couple more minutes yeah, they he would have seemed to build into the games later on yeah um, he definitely would have created something but, but he, he was he was very impressive and I think that he'll get he'll definitely get chances this season based off of based off of that um, I do think that having Lavia out was you could tell he was missing in that game mm. that's that's maybe the only detraction of which is I know probably massive praise to him of how reliant Saints are on this 18 year old that's only just come into the squad that's how impressive he's been and all the murmurs that Chelsea apparently offered 50 million for him on deadline day Um, he's played like four four or five games for Southampton and then Chelsea offered 50 million I think that's what happened in the boardroom the new owners were like right uh, Thomas what do you want Tuchel he's like "Is, is Romeo Lavia or it's me leaving See you in a bit, too cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's basically what happened. I don't know if people know that, but that's what went down. I've yeah. decided. Yeah. I don't know. Like we've we've talked about before, young players can can look amazing for five games and they can drop off the face of the earth. I mean, you look at Broya last season; like he had scored six goals, but you would have thought it was more for how much mm. like Saints fans loved him and and how impressive he was in certain games. But really, he had a purple patch of sort of ten games and then didn't really do much mm. else. So I don't want to create a false perception around him, but I think having the fact he, he's played in every single game this season, he came in first against Spurs, played in every single game. He has been so important. And yeah, I think had he been on the pitch, maybe it would have been a slightly different outcome. Maybe it would have been nil-nil rather yeah. than one-nil. Um, the, the, talking of people that sort of have purple patches and then go away again is uh, Nathan Redmond. Yeah. Uh, he's gone. 
I saw a little tweet from uh, Luke Osman has said, one of the most unfairly criticised Saints players in recent history, inconsistent, but scored vital goals and gave everything during six years here. He sent us to Wembley just as much as Long did with an outstanding performance against Liverpool at home. Hope he smashes it. And that, that tends to be what people think uh, the criticism he got was unfair at times, but it, sometimes criticism gets the best out of you. And Redmond was a confidence player. And I personally loved him. The day that I went to Stamford Bridge for an away game, I think it was Boxing Day, it was around Christmas, and just to bury it to make it, get the second goal for Saints. Just loved being in that number uh, when Redder scored. And I think he's fantastic. The moments when Nathan Redmond was on, he was on and he was brilliant to watch. So, it's, so I wish him all the best, but he did spark that, He's, he's not always 100%. And if he had been, I think he'd have gone on mm. further in his in his career. I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's consistency. And when he was a, uh, a very young player, was it Norwich? Was yeah. It Birmingham, then Norwich he went mm. to um, before, before joining Southampton, I think at 22 or 23 years old. Um, he was so promising. Mm. Very quick, skillful, could score a good goal. Um, but strikes me again you know sometimes maybe we build players up too much and we think they can be in the top one percent of, of footballers and there are 99 percent of other players also on this planet as well mm. um and maybe he's one of those where i i thought he would go on to become yeah, much better definitely. that's not to say he's a, he's a bad player he's not at all and i think on his day he was fantastic he scored some great goals yeah. um great at driving at defenses as well yeah. and creating space but maybe just never reached the potential that people thought he was going to reach. That's a, that's a very fair take on him. Because uh, when he was on, he was on. And I, I, I'm one of those Saints fans, never really criticise players and think that they're awful. Uh, minus Gineppo. No, I don't, I don't at all. I think he's, he's great. And he, he shows that passion. Um, him and Bertie, Ryan Bertrand on the left-hand side were just a great, formidable partnership. When he was on, some beautiful moments he gave Saints fans. So, so I think all the best. Yeah. Well, he's heading off to, to Turkey. Sure. No. Holidays. Yeah. Well, new teeth. Whoa. Hello. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, so he's, he's, he's going to Turkey. Besiktas in Turkey, a one year deal has been agreed um, around about 4 million pounds. Apparently. Okay. I've heard, I've heard a seven, seven figure sum, but um, 4 million have also read. I don't have that confirmed. It but is yeah. mad. It is mad when I look at how much saints have spent this season compared to how much has been recouped uh, is it's, it's frightening, I have to say. Uh, Mattis Liss, the goalkeeper, uh, he's gone. He's gone to um, on out on loan. Yeah, strange he'd... on that, bringing yeah. him and then just sending him up straight back on loan again. I feel like we're a Chelsea now. <laughs> a proper Stamford Bridge team. I forget that this this is the first one since deadline day, because obviously the last podcast yeah. came out on deadline day, but we recorded it before, so we didn't really yeah. see a lot of these moves happening. Uh, Duye Chaletta Saar as well came in from Marseille, the centre-back. What did you just say to me? That's that's his uh, the pronunciation. Of his name. Oh, okay. So yeah, he's he's come in. Obviously, uh, Bednarek went out to Villa on loan. Uh, we also oh. saw Jack Stevens go to Bournemouth on loan. Uh, well, Bednarek has not done himself many favours for the way he said he would like to go onto a bigger club on loan. He's still got to come back, Steve. Yeah, he's still got to collect I don't his know things. As much of a future, um, I think. Uh, yeah, thank you very much, Jan. Yeah. So yeah, I think that there's there's the real good depth in the squad, good balance in the squad. But yeah, if maybe one, potentially two centre-backs get niggles or injuries or red cards, it does leave us a little light at uh, centre-back. Yeah, what uh, voice did you do there? That's Croatian for Shota Sa. Sure. sure. Um, 
leaves us a little little light at the back. Um, but all in all, other than the cherry on the top of a new striker, I'd say it was a pretty good transfer window. Definitely. And I think the squad looks good. As we've mentioned, we brought in uh, Juan Larios and uh, Sam Adozi from Manchester City on deadline day to add yeah. to Gavin Bazunu, our new number one goalkeeper, and also the much-coveted Romeo Lavia, who also joined from uh, both of them from Manchester City. Um, seeing a lot of stuff going around on the internet, kind of slightly... I don't want to... I think chastising could be the wrong term of phrase. You're about to say we're a Man City B team, aren't you? Yeah, like la- <laughs> okay. labelling uh, Southampton as just poaching young talent that they can get a hold of from from bigger clubs, putting in these buyback clauses, and then just reaping the reward, the rewards from that. Maybe rather than focusing on their own youth development. All right, uh, I don't know why I'm getting angry about that immediately. Uh, I think fair play. Like you can't you can't beat the big boys in terms of the spend or the money. Or look, let's face it, Erling Haaland, if Southampton actually <laughs> cobbled every penny they had and said, we'll buy Haaland, Haaland will go to Man City. He'll play in Europe. The bigger players are attracted to play at the biggest clubs and on the biggest stages. So the fact that Southampton can sign someone like Romeo Lavia, and it's very early days, but he's been mint so far. The fact that he comes to Southampton as an 18-year-old, um, plays really well, gets an opportunity... I don't see what the problem is with with that. Like fair play, fair play. We've got some talented players from another team in the Premier League. I get it. They have a, a slight hold on these players. Any moment they want, they can come back in and uh, and buy the player back. All right, cool. Well, we'll have a brilliant season this year with some amazingly talented players. Otherwise, we have to go shopping around. We could end up with a Wesley Hope. Like we've got to think about these yeah. things. Well, I mean, Southampton obviously are using. Um, but but do you mean as in terms of we've already got academy players that we found, and therefore we've well, that, now well, that, got well, another was, youngster? That was in. my initial point. I mean, Joe Shields, who was the ex um, head of recruitment for Man City's academy or youth teams, um, is now Southampton's head of recruitment for the senior team. Yeah. Um, so clearly, using contacts in the northwest to to bring good players in and he's seen these players he's brought them in previously seen, seen how good they are what they could potentially develop to be and gone mm, yeah we could probably you know do the slice of that down on the south coast but my kind of point was is it should it be allowed because we've seen certain teams stockpile players before we saw Chelsea were the, the kings of it they mm-hmm. had I can't tell you how many players had it online there I should have done a bit more research and found out the exact figure no but I but, but I know it, it it's was, well known yeah loads and they these they would have players on their books for 10 years these players would join at 18 they'd leave at 35 they never played a game for Chelsea they'd just been on loan their entire career but that's because of uh, Kevin De Bruyne the, the the opportunities or Mo Salah these players that have gone and Chelsea have gone oh they've got we should have kept on held on to them it's like the Paul Pogba uh, situation at United you're like you've got to put these clauses in that's business like let's not forget football is an incredible game which is now a huge business and Southampton can afford these really talented players and find their potential and you know what will happen it'd be like a Sadio Mane no one wanted Mane he comes to Southampton finds his feet turns out oh he is really talented and brilliant Liverpool come in and sign him and it's annoying and that's the frustrating part of being a bit different 
that's a bit different because that's maybe looking at a player from another club or a smaller club or international who wants to get a a stepping stone in in the best league in the world. Mm. I think the kind of point that I've seen floating around on the internet and that I'm trying to kind of pose to you is that should it should it be allowed that bigger clubs essentially have a wider pool of players and kind of what City are doing are lending them out with these buyback clauses to then just kind of nick them one day. It's not like Southampton have gone, yeah, we really like Lavia. Do you want to come to Southampton? Because you probably won't get a game for City this year. Yeah, I'll sign a five-year contract. Cool, there's 10 million quid. He's our player. It's, yeah, you can have him for 10 million now. Or what was he? No, it was like 15 or 18, whatever he was. You can have him for this amount of money now, but we'll have 40 million pound buyback clause and we can just activate that whenever we want. Yeah. It. I, I see your point. We're we're all hostages to the bigger clubs in 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 want of a use of a better phrase there. Um, yeah, it is unfair. You've got the same with Tino as well, who came from Chelsea. He's got a big buyback clause in his contract, I'm sure. Yeah, I I feel like Southampton are doing something about it and getting um, their foot in the door with Joe Shields, who's come from City. We're using his contacts to get in talented players and. We're reaping those rewards of of a system that is a little bit corrupt and a little not corrupt. Corrupt's not the right word. It's unfair, but Southampton are taking advantage of it, and I agree with you. But I, d- I don't know how to fix the problem. To say I don't agree with it, here's my solution to fix that problem. You know, it's a business, and Southampton are, I hope, as a Saints fan, being able to reap the benefits and get good results, finish quite high up in the table. Um, but yeah, any yeah, moment can, they, can they can look, click their fingers and then bring these players back. You can look at the shoe on the other foot and say, well, if you get two to three years out of, let's just say, Romeo Lavia, yeah. and he's got a 40 or 45 million pound buyback clause and City choose to activate that in three years' time, well, you're making 25 million pounds yeah. on what you bought him for over a couple of years. So in terms of like a business sense, it does make sense as well. Yeah. But then how many players who join Southampton's academy at 10, 11, mm. whatever, and try and look at a, like a Don Ballard or a mm. Tyler Dibbling or anyone, people like that, that we've mentioned previously, Kegs Chalk or anyone like that, who you want to, in fact, he might have gone. Well, we, we, to, to be, well, Caleb Watts as well. Caleb Aussie Watts, like, yeah. like They're out on loan. They're out on loan at the moment from Southampton because they cannot get in. It, it sort of, it rolls downhill. They but can't sh- get in the Man City team. Like Romeo Lavio is not getting in that team. He will get in a Southampton team. So what happens is we let, loan out a couple of those midfielders down to a, a League One. I know are- how the system works, mate. It's not, it's not, <laughs> I'm not trying to explain not, it to you, but, but, I, but we're actually using that system as well. But, should, but the kind of point I'm saying is should Southampton be more harnessing their own young players, making them better to fulfil first team spots than bringing in people of a similar age from bigger teams to go straight into the first team. Because if I was a young player at Southampton in the youth academy, I think, what's the point? Because I'm going to get to 18 and they're just going to sign someone from Chelsea. Yeah, I, 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 I do I do understand it. I, I do get it. I want you to know that I hear you, Steve. Yeah. Steve, I hear you. And, and these aren't all my views. This obviously no, a, a, it's frustrating. You should, Southampton of old are able, the likes of Callum Chambers, Luke Shaw, uh, coming through the ranks, JWP, coming through the ranks and we play him. However, it, it's not long-term. No club is thinking long-term. We're thinking year by year, got to survive. That's the, that's operation. Like that's number one target, survive the season. 
And if Romeo Lavia is going to do a better job than, say, Caleb Watts, I know they're not the same player, but in terms of their position and, and what they do on the field, you you will take survive. It's always survival mode every season. I don't agree with it. We should, if we were really going to say, look, let's do this. Let's go with our own academy players and just use them. That would be the ideal football manager mode <laughs> that we'd all go brilliant. But what is the end goal of that? Like Caleb Watts turns into an amazing player and then United come in with a 50 million uh, pound offer and we're like, thank you very much. Now we can redevelop our youth academy. I, j- I just think it's so, th- 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 that business model is so skewed that we just cannot com- ever compete with Man City or Man United. But then you're, you're taking players who are, essentially have cost you nothing other than development fees over the years and stuff, but you've, you've taken at a young age from scholarship level upwards, etc. And say you use that example of, of selling a potential Caleb Watts to a, a bigger club in the future, 50 million, that's 50 million a profit you've made right there. Give or take a little bit rather than yeah. spending 20 million on a player from city who's got a 40 million buyback clause and then just making the 20 million. Now what's 20 million between friends, but like, <laughs> but, 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 but we, we might get relegated with a player that mm. they're obviously the scouting department. You would assume that they know what they're doing and they see Lavia and they go, he is an instant play him in the side. He's a premier league player right now, regardless of his age. Whereas the academy players they're looking at week in, week out are not quite at the level. Do I hope that they get an opportunity? 100% because I agree with you. If you can make a player from your own academy into a star, that's that's the ideal. But I just think that the pressure on that one season survival is now Lavia in the team. You said it earlier in this pod. We felt like we missed Lavia. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Instantly... I agree with you. I would take the, let's take the 20 million and stay in the uh, Premier League as opposed to let's take 50 million eventually over next three seasons. This could, this could, I think, go rumble on. Maybe it's a, a topic for another day, but part of me also thinks that is that small club mentality? Because think about these players who come from a Chelsea, a Man City, whoever that you're bringing in. Once they've had their two or three years and they go back to their bigger club as a starter, potentially, or to sit on the bench, whatever, like you're strengthening. What you're doing is you're, you're, harn- you're harnessing young players from bigger teams, making them better, giving them a bigger profile. They'll then go back and those teams will, will be better. Whereas if you have your own young players who've come through super young or you've brought in from abroad or from, or from like a league one team or, or a championship as a, as a 15, 16 year old, and they go, Oh, I've got a bit of affinity with Southampton. I actually really love this club and this team. They get really good. And then your team is better and you're pushing up the league rather than this whole mentality of let's just stay in the premier league. And then you can have them back in two years. If you had all your own developed talent, Yes, one or two will probably go, three or four may go. But if you can keep a large chunk of them and your team becomes better. Now, I know we're using, I know I'm going to use the example of, say, like the class of 92, which will come along once in a, a generation or two generations. But that could elevate Southampton to a level where they're not at currently now. Whereas having this model of just bringing in young players from bigger clubs, making them better, giving them back to the bigger clubs only further strengthens the bigger clubs. Yeah. I, I agree with you, but look at the lad Tyler who's coming back to Southampton because the grass isn't always greener. The amount of players that have left Southampton, uh, on you know, signed for bigger clubs, you know, uh, have, have not delivered. So it's it's re- it, I I agree with you. I would much rather be in a situation where we develop our own talent, like JWP, 
But then, of course, West Ham offering money for him, going, oh, come to the bigger club. No. So, so I, I, I think this is one of those topics of conversation. At the moment, I will take the talented side that we have managed to put together this season. And I think it's definitely a, a, a topic of conversation for more discussion in the future. Right, Tom, it is time for Saints Trivia Question of the Week. Mm, that's beautiful. You've yeah. been working on that, I can tell. I've, I actually forgot what the segment was called. Is that really what it's supposed to be? It felt longer than when I normally sing it. <laughs> it's an opportunity for us to look at some Southampton retailers, businesses, and say, hey, would you like to advertise in this section? Because Steve's about to ask me a question and you, and during that time, we could play your advert. Simple. Not Why a question don't... for the... Uh... Businesses. Retailers. No, no, no. Question for the listeners. Question for the listeners, but the retailers and business get an opportunity to now, during that thinking time, tell us about your products or yeah. your business. How, I mean, how good would that sound is if we just said, uh, who's ready for Sane's trivia question of the week? Sponsored by, enter business name here. I mean, people be like, that is brilliant. <laughs> that's great. That's re- No, that, and, and that's what should be happening. Guys, we've got DMs. They're open. Get get slide into our DMs, please. At We March On Pod across social media or on Gmail is We March On Pod at gmail.com. We've got a Gmail. We have got a Gmail. I've told Go. you this multiple times, Tom. Right, we haven't got a sponsor yet. Mm, evidently. Um so uh, I'll ask you this this question. We'll have a very, very, very limited ad break. Very limited. I mean, it would just be I just want people to know, we don't have a break now. No. (laughs) We had our break about two minutes ago and we discussed Leicester City for a while and how they are a selling club now. But anyway, we haven't got time to discuss that. No, we don't. Um, Time is precious. And uh, this will only take a short moment, Tom. So the question of this week is, who was the first manager to take charge of Southampton? Just to give you a clue as well, if it helps you into the break, it was between 1894 and 1895. Wow. I'm going to let you know that's my favourite period of Southampton. Right, Tom. So we're back out of that lovely little uh, break. I've Um, got the answer. The answer... Oh, I I need to repeat the question, Tom. Yeah, but I've got the answer. Okay. Straight away. The question, if you didn't hear it before, was who was the first manager to ever take charge of Southampton? And that answer is Steve Forbes. Laurie McMenemy. <laughs> is this your history of the club? He's the oldest man that I've known or met ever. He is incredible. He just keeps going. He's cryogenically, cryogenically frozen. I don't even know how to say it, but he's been frozen. He is timeless. I love him. I don't think that he was born in the 1800s, His Tom. book reads like it does. So I've got it over on my shelf. It's a fantastic read. Laurie McMenemy. No, you've what done lad. this multiple times. You've said a book is shite, but it's a fantastic read. You did it with Myers. You said you basically had only read about four pages of Franny's book. Although uh, you did say it was how book, to be fair. dare you? Um, how dare you, now, Steve Now, Laurie McMenemy's book is, a, is, uh, is not great, but a great read somehow. I'll tell you why I love that book. I, I went to a, a Saints uh, event and uh, he was there and I said to Laurie, I said, oh, Laurie, I heard you on Talk Sport the other day. You were talking about your book. It sounds brilliant. I'm going to get it. He was like, yeah. All right, then. I was like, okay, well, I will do. And then I met him uh, a month or two later and I had the book with me and he had this brilliant line. He turned to his wife. I said, oh, Laurie, do you mind if I 
get you to sign my book. He turned to his wife and he goes, aye, well, we know who bought the fourth one. (laughs) (laughs) We now know who bought the fourth one. Incredible. Uh, What a lad. So that's why I like that book. And it's a fantastic paperweight. No, genuinely, it's brilliant. I do like books. Uh, It's over. I'm looking at it right now. It is a brilliant read. It's understanding what it was about to to take silence. Is that my book? It is. I've I've put that that on display for you. <laughs> was all it looks like you've done is not read it. You've just positioned it in a way that it makes you look slightly better read than you were before. Yeah, so next to all those DVDs that, <laughs> that charity shops just won't take. Um, what is the answer? So the answer, God, who cares? Um, managed Southampton in 1894. Uh, so start of the club, really, I think, um, and then to 1895, Cecil Knight. Oh, Cecil Knight. Good old Cecil. He's besties with Laurie McMenemy, <laughs> oddly enough. You'll always see Laurie out, and if there's an older bloke next to him, that's Cecil Knight. I have to admit, I, d- I don't know who Cecil Knight is. I also did not do any Googling of his name after finding the answer to that question. Do you know, um, next time you look at your underwear, you might have a particular brand with the initial CK. It's not for Calvin Klein. <laughs> Cecil Knight. <laughs> Oh, God, no wonder we've not got a sponsor. (laughs) Um, Listen, we've got to talk about Saints versus Brentford. Uh, Stephen of the Forbes variety. They have had uh, an up and down start to to their campaign. They've only had, actually, no, it's been very good. Uh, One loss to Fulham. They beat United 4-0, had a draw with Leicester, beat Colchester in a cup, two draws, then followed by an absolute battering of Leeds United uh, 5-2. I tell you what, uh, Visser, I think you pronounce it right, Tony with his second hat-trick in the Premier League, and um, Mbuemo, uh, we have to be very careful. I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about Brentford. I feel like they could turn up to St Mary's and dominate. And as a Saints fan, if you are going to be there in that number, we have to get behind the team and hopefully hold them off for as long as possible uh, and take our chances. That's how I see that game. I feel like Brentford are going to open up on us Hold in the, the counter-attack. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like, they, do, do, how do you see Brentford? Because I think oh, they're I'm a dangerous... A, I'm glad it's at home. Yeah. I'll tell you that. I mean, the fact that they battered Leeds 5-2, they also battered United 4-0 um, at the... It's not called the Brentford Community Stadium anymore, is it? It's called the G-Tech Community Stadium. I prefer Brentford. Um, Brentford Stadium is a better name. So I'm glad it's at St Mary's. I think that bodes well in our favour. But Brentford are a really dangerous team and another team who are managed by an exceptional young coach mm. um, in Thomas Frank, who I'm, re- I'm actually surprised hasn't been sort of touted for the Chelsea job because I think he's equally as good as, as Graham Potter, um, if not maybe a bit better. Having listened to some of his interviews, he's so tactically astute as well um, and he wouldn't have to move house. Yes, <laughs> that's the the biggest point. Um, Chelsea would chat to people who don't have to to uh, to really move. Like do like a Mourinho live in a hotel for years? Um, I would say that Graham Potter has European experience. I don't know if Frank has had that. Potter, I, I remember being at the Emirates when he had his Swedish side that he back to back promotions and then dominated and, and got a win at the Emirates. Fantastic. So I feel like Graham Potter would be better suited and it's good to see a, a, a British manager yeah. get an opportunity. But, 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 um, but Brentford are dangerous. But Brentford, and- yeah. Thomas Frank has got this this team very well drilled. They've got some very exciting, good players in that squad as well. It's going to be tough. I'd say... Did you hear that? That was my belly. That was your belly. I hope that didn't come out on the pod. Um, I've had two lunches. My belly has got no right to make a sound like that. Um, 
Thomas Frank uh, and, and this Brentford team, I think, are dangerous. And, and what worries me slightly is that I actually think they're better than some of the teams that we've played already. Even though we said we had a mm. really hard August, I think they're better than Leeds. Yeah. I think they're better than Leicester. I think they're better than Wolves. Now, we got four points of the, out of those three. Obviously, the draw against Leeds, which, you know, was... Not fortunate, but but it was it was it was a hard graft in that yeah. second half. Um, Leicester clearly just aren't at the races this season, and they've already lost Brendan. No, is he is he gone? Brendan, Brendan Rogers should be the next manager. I'd put money For on him reason, to be. I the just next. thought he'd gone already. I feel like Leicester are gone uh, as a team. They'll, they'll survive just about, but that's because the quality is just yeah. not there from any so other team. Th- th- so they they would they were dispatched of. Um, obviously, drew against. Um, Against against Brentford on the opening day, um, and then Wolves. We were slightly surprised at, at losing at losing to Wolves, even though it was away. So when I think of Brentford and think of how well they've played this season, yeah, it's. I think Southampton are really going to have to be at their best. We're going to have to. If the DJ uh, is listening uh, from St Mary's, uh, danger, danger! It's Brentford. Uh, that's how I see this. Mm. Uh, genuinely, because they, I think they're they're potent going forward. They just that counter how classy was the third goal for Tony the way he's it cuts inside the goalkeeper's out of his off his line way out of his box and Tony instead of just trying to bear, dinks out that is a guy that is naughty I, yeah. and I love the fact he's come up through at the lower divisions and gets a chance in the Premier League his free kick was sensational oh, as well well if anything there's the thing is I don't think that gets enough plaudits because if Ronaldo or Messi had scored that we were talking about it for years mm. it is such a good free kick and as you say to have the composure to go well, let me just have a little look up oh I've gone around the keeper there are two defenders running to the line I probably not, might not be able to you know squeeze it and pass them with a side foot oh, I was going to think over top both of them yeah that that's the sort of striker that Southampton hopefully I'm hoping um, Sekamara is that guy eventually but the, he's the striker that seems needed how much needed. is Ivan Tony worth do you reckon after that hat trick his second one in the Premier League for Brentford getting them their first ever hat trick uh, in the Premier League um, I reckon he's a he's a 30 mil that, I know that's that big it? That it? I'd say way more. You reckon? Yeah, I'm I starting. I know it's Brentford. I know they're, they're, even though they had a very good first season back in the top flight or in the top flight ever, um, that that people are maybe not assuming that they still could be candidates to go mm. down. I still think that like Brentford aren't completely safe, even though they are an impressive mm. team. But Ivan Tony, I feel, just could easily get a 40 to 50 million pound move. That makes me feel a little bit queasy, but you're right. You're probably yeah. right. I'm just starting. I, I think I should have. Uh, uh, I'm trying to back back out of this. We're starting at 30 million, and it's going upwards from How there. How much did Callum Wilson go to Newcastle for? Uh, was he? We went from Bournemouth, Bournemouth, didn't he? Oh, blimey! Like a 15 mil, 20 mil. Strikes me as that kind of player, which you wonder, like, is is he is Ivan Tony really good enough to play at like the top level, or is he just really good in this Brentford team, a bit like Wilson at, at Bournemouth, but. Either way, regardless, if all that Brentford team are fit. Yeah. Salisu, if you're listening, yeah. We're going to need... <laughs> the source, you better be on your gonna best We're going to need Bella Kotchap and we're going to need Salisu to be on their A game for that for that match. So, yeah, very, very tough. Glad it's going to be at St. Mary's. Um, it'll Tw- be interesting. Yeah, 20 million, just in case anyone was curious to know. The Callum yeah. Wilson, 20 million. Tony's worth more than that well yeah especially in the you know the current market and stuff as well it's got to be probably at least sort of 40 50 percent 100 percent 
more. Why did I say so many percentages that weren't accurate? What I meant was double the price. <laughs> For some reason, in my head, 50% was then double. And I don't know why I said that. I sound like an idiot now. <laughs> we can cut do- this out. Yeah, cut this out. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Steve. Yo. You know, uh, I went to the Man United game. Yeah. And I don't want to keep going on about it, but I sat next to one of the best managers that Southampton have ever had, Nigel Adkins. Not your Cecil Knight uh, variety, but Nigel Adkins. Cecil couldn't make it. No, he couldn't. He couldn't make it. Um, (laughs) About 100 years. (laughs) I'm not going to have a bad word said about Cecil. Anyway, uh, Nigel Adkins sat next to me. I said to him, Nigel, do you mind signing this program? I know Saints lost 1-0. I know, but would you please sign it? Then I chatted to Franny afterwards. He signed it. I then said to all of our listeners and to try and boost ourselves out there, you know, because everyone's got a podcast these days. uh, One way of doing it is to say, hey, look, we've got an amazing program signed by Franny Benali and Nigel Wadkins. Get involved, retweet. And uh, I've whittled it down to five people. I've got a little bowl in front of me. I wanted to use keys, but that's just not appropriate. So uh, we're going to have a rummage around, (laughs) right? And I'm going to pick out at random. You can do it, actually. Oh, okay. For the person that is winning this signed program. And I will be... That's not me scratching. That's your dog. (laughs) If anyone wanted. I will be sending them this signed program. What a great prize as well. And a lovely thing to do. And I think not only is it um, not a selfless act, because what we're doing is trying to drum up a bit more interest in the podcast and get more people following our social media account. Hey, Franny Benali and Nigel Adkins follow now. Yep, that's excellent. Um, I think also both retweeted as well. So went out to, you know, have many tens of thousands of people that they also um, have following them. But what a lovely gift to give away to a Saints fan. Yeah. Signed by two legends of the club. And can I just say, I've not oh. even, I've not even, well, our dogs dog, chose. Dogs picked one. Dogs just picked one, just reached right in the bowl, had one. Um, and, and this is really nice. This programme hasn't even been thumbed through. So the winner of the signed Nigel Adkins and Franny Benali programme is Miranda Shelley. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Miranda Shelley. Okay. Well, there you go. Miranda Shelley. So, Miranda Shelley, thank uh, I think you very much. Partner for of Richard Shelley. So, um, stalking the Shelleys. <laughs> mate, I know the Shelleys. Uh, big Southampton fans. I believe that they were at the day uh, for the Saints Brass being down and the new Northern Social Club, which is the new Southampton okay. Football Club. So, well done to them. Yeah, amazing. So, uh, Miranda, if you are listening to the podcast, um, we'll be in touch and we'll get your address and post out that signed program for you. So, amazing stuff. Congratulations on winning that. Uh, Tom, it's about that time. I've got them on the line right now (laughs) (laughs) they'd like to say a few words actually steve no they're they're fine i'm kidding we could get oh you know what that's what we should do we'll get a voice note or something and we'll get it on the next episode that'd be great we'll we'll, we'll record us calling them oh that would be like like they do on tv Yeah. yeah we can't offer you your energy bills paid for for a whole month what we can give you is this program is that from a game that we won no don't be silly <laughs> get it on ebay it could pay about a week's worth of a lecky no not even close mate uh what else do we need to to chat about steve before we say goodbye to the beautiful people okay great so uh we have got next week uh we're going to be bringing you the result and talking through everything that's happened at brentford you're going to be there aren't you i i will be um at st mary's are you joined by today by kenzie again is she finally turning up again uh yeah, yeah. i think so oh brilliant be there. the dream um, team reunited yes um she was working the cricket 
um, yeah. last week for the yeah. final of the hundred, and then was also running a half marathon as well on Sunday. As you do, so I can't really say anything. It's like you got quite a lot on your plate. Yeah, and that. didn't you go away like doing something with Puma as well? George, my yeah. my other half was just showing me like, look at what Kenzie's up to. I'm like, I know, I know, I know. I've seen it. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, in in Munich, I think that was. Yeah, and so good. Amount <laughs> the amount of clobber she said she was given for free as well. Oh man, um, that's what makes me uh, not jealous. Is, is the wrong word, but you know, you I wouldn't would really want women. Close. No, no, no. The, although the the boots she got might fit me still because I've got tiny feet. Um, but that's why I wanted to get sponsored, Tom. Yeah, it, it doesn't even have to be Puma or like any kind of big sportswear brand. It it could be, I don't know. TJ uh, Waste. They could provide me a free skip for my house. Do you know what I've met the one of the owner of TJ Waste. They've got the best advert on the radio. They the do have the best advert. Met him. Uh, went down to the cricket uh, with some other people as well that have the biggest adverts uh, in a little box uh, watching the cricket with them. Uh, with Paul McCaffrey, who we should definitely get on a podcast at some yeah. point. Uh, what's a fascinating experience that that is uh, being around people with that much money. It's fascinating. Genuinely fascinating. Uh, no free clobber though, but I did have a bread roll. <laughs> Before the rest of the main meals arrived. I had to go, mate. I've got gigs. I've got work to do. Yeah. Steve, we will have a beautiful day out. Maybe we should do the podcast an away day. Like, at some point. Well, we have said we're going to take it on the road. I can't remember where. Oh, that was it. The Northern Social Club. That would be brilliant. We'll make we it happen. We can maybe do that one day. Hey, guys, I just want you to know there's lots of plans happening. If you've listened to this point of the podcast, big up yourselves. Uh, that must have been this a serious is, car journey for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a slog. Probably not only to listen, but to get this far. As well, How dare you? How I, dare you? Do you not feel a little bit? Maybe this is just something for off air, but um, that you just get to a point where I've run out now. I'm slightly out of steam. Like I've got a, a long car journey to get back home. I'm not going to be putting this on. I'm off to Bristol, mate. We've uh, listen. Uh, thank you very much for listening, uh, Steve and I. Really appreciate uh, you being part of this podcast. Send us a message on Twitter. We're on all of the social media, so make sure you follow at We March on Pod. Simple as that. Subscribe. All of that shizzle. That's how I'm ending this. Yeah, and it's also one hour and ten minutes on the recording, so. Um, I'd say you don't really need to listen past 55 minutes in future. Uh, <laughs> listen, till next time, play us out, Saints Brass. <laughs>